Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Today, we are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program, although it's been way too long, uh, is uh, Dr. Scott Hahn. And we're going to be discussing a free Bible study that's being put out uh, by the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, and it's entitled, Holy is His Name. Uh, and this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, all of you out there, we are an EWTN affiliate. Everybody knows Dr. Hahn. Having said that, a brief introduction. Dr. Hahn's been married to his wife, Kimberly, since 1979. He and Kimberly have six children, two of which are priests. 18 grandchildren. Uh, he's a popular speaker and teacher. Dr. Han has delivered numerous talks nationally and internationally on a wide variety of topics related to scripture and the Catholic faith. Uh, most importantly, his talks have been effective in helping thousands of Protestants and fallen away Catholics to either embrace or re-embrace the Catholic faith. He's also a best-selling author of numerous books, including The Lamb's Supper, Reasons to Believe, and Rome's Sweet Home, co-authored with his wife, Kimberly. Uh, Dr. Hahn received the Bachelor of Arts degree with a triple major in theology, philosophy, and economics from Grove City College, Pennsylvania in 1979, Masters of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Semer Seminary in 1982, and his PhD in Biblical Theology from Mark University in 1995. Dr. Scott Hahn, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, our friends. Great to be back with you, Joe and Joe, but I want to make one small adjustment. That introduction was exhausting to listen to. Man, I didn't <laughs> my life was so uh, busy, but uh, we actually only have one son who's a priest, Father Jeremiah. The other seminarian son, Joe, has pressed pause on the priesthood and is discerning right now. So, yes, we've got the six kids, the 21 grandkids, and one of them is a priest, Father Jeremiah, going on almost two years now. May 21st will be his second anniversary. Well, the, 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 these two Joes will be praying for the other Joe and his discernment. So uh, this you. way you, you know that. But uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the correction, Doc. You bet. All right, with that, let's uh, – holy is his name. All right, so I'm going to hand it over to Joe Restinello, and, and let's have this great conversation. Dr. Hahn, it's our custom. We always begin the show with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, Dr. Hahn, Lent is here, and this is the perfect study for it. This is a very special liturgical season. Um, speaking personally, I have gotten many graces in my walk uh, as a Catholic during this season if we take it seriously, and this is a wonderful study to do just that. Tell us about it. 
Well, Holy is His Name came out last year, near the end of the year, as a book. Holy is His Name, the Transforming Power of God's Holiness in Scripture. And I go through 15 chapters and trace the progressive revelation of holiness from the Old Testament to the New, from creation to consummation. But you can then discover what Lent is all about, and that is how the passion of Jesus is the pinnacle of human history, and how the pain of Jesus becomes the passion and the source of our own salvation. Until the coming of Christ and until the Paschal mystery, there was something that was still sort of waiting. And the people of God were wondering, when is the Messiah coming? What is he going to do? And so all of those chapters became episodes. And we spent a year working on this new video series called Holy is His Name. And the book then is supplemented now by a workshop by a study guide, a workbook. And this workbook makes the book doubly accessible. I, I wrote it at an easy breezy level, but people who are not really at home with scripture just yet are going to become much more at home with scripture as to its central message. And that is be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy, be holy. And yet at the same time, you discover that it's only when the father sends the son to give us the Holy Spirit that we can profess, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and the communion of saints. You know, nobody in the Hebrew Bible, according to Rabbi Berman, who I cite, is ever called a saint. And yet these newly baptized Corinthian runts are called by Paul not only to be saints, but he describes them as saints, because you are washed, you are sanctified, you were baptized, and so the lowest in the kingdom of God, the lowest in the new covenant, is greater than John the Baptist, who was the greatest in the old, born of women. And so we've got a lot to think through, but more especially in Lent, we've got a lot to really take to heart and ponder in this journey. And so beginning on Ash Wednesday and then going through the entirety of Lent, Every Wednesday, there are going to be two lessons that go about 15 or 20 minutes each. And as we get closer to Easter, you're going to be getting closer to the fulfillment of God's fatherly plan to make us not just sinners who are forgiven, but sinners who are transformed into saints and nothing less. This is the only thing for which we were made. It's the only thing for which we would strive above all. You know, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for holiness, for without it, you will not see God. And so this is God's will for us. And yet at the same time, you know, we, we use the term holy. We, we, we want to be saints, but we don't realize what it means because we tend to assume that holiness is the same as righteousness. And righteousness consists of keeping the commandments. And that's good. That's necessary. They're not opposed, but they are distinct. Righteousness is the realm of the king, the courtroom, the judge. Holiness is the realm of the temple and the high priest. Now, we're not opposing these two, obviously, but we're seeing that holiness has to do with the greatest commandment as Jesus identifies, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. Well, how do you do that? Practically, especially as you go through life and day after day, you are basically enchained to, you know, the urgent and the immediate. And so, especially living in our world, how do we kind of lift up our hearts and make that more than just a line from the liturgy that we recite from memory? How do we really spend time in Lent 
you know, not just going without dessert or going without chocolate or alcohol or the internet or whatever, but really giving those things up in order to get more time for prayer, for reading scripture. And so through the through the weeks of Lent, we're going to go through 12 episodes, two per week, all the way to Divine Mercy Sunday. And I should also mention that if people do purchase this study guide, Holy is His Name, it gives you a summary, an outline. It also gives you questions and space to answer them and that sort of thing. It's ideal for personal study, for group Bible study, for a, a home Bible study, or one in your parish as well. But if you do get that study guide, it's going to basically give you access for four months to this Journey Through Scripture program. Now, I should also mention, Joe, that uh, for the last 10 years, we've been doing this in Lent. Hundreds of thousands of people have viewed our JTS series, the Journey Through Scripture. We've had the Genesis to Jesus, the Bible and the Mass, the Bible and the Virgin Mary. This is something like the climax and culmination, and that is Holy is His Name. And I am, to be honest, very excited. I, I've been studying holiness all my adult life since I became a Christian back around the age of 14. Now that I'm 65, the first book that I really read after the cost of discipleship and mere Christianity was Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, who was my mentor and my teacher. And he was giving these talks and it just inspired me. You know, it got it got us over that kind of hippie hangover from the late 60s and the early 70s, where God is just love, 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 you know, where Jesus is so chummy, he's just my pal. And there was just nothing terribly transcendent and awe-inspiring until you discover the holiness of God. And I have been running with that now for the last half a century. Dr. Scott Hans joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we're discussing this, uh, you know, this free um, Bible study that's being put out by the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. It's uh, the title of which is Holy is His Name. Quickly, Dr. Hahn, uh, where can folks buy it? Yep. So the best thing to do is go to stpaulcenter.com forward slash holy study. That's stpaulcenter.com forward slash holy study. Or just go to St. Paul Center and you're going to see on our homepage, you know, there is this opportunity that people can take advantage of. Dr. Scott, Hunt, you mentioned earlier um, that Lent is obviously not just about giving something up. Oh, I'm going to give up sweets. Although those are good things to sacrifice something that we like. Talk to our audience a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about the need to remember, okay, Lent is a time to empty ourselves, to sacrifice, to, to make room for the Lord, okay? But then the necessity afterwards to carry that forward in our lives post-Lent, post-Easter, to try to live that way. Jesus says, be holy as our, our Father in heaven is holy, okay? That means we should carry it through our whole life. Speak to me about that, because I need to, to, to remember it's not just about giving something up or sacrificing during Lent. We should be doing this all the time in our lives and constantly growing throughout our lives, not just during Lent. That's right. I mean, the only logic of Lent is love. We do this out of love for God. And the reason we love him is because he first loved us. He loved us into existence out of nothing. He's loved us to this point through his mercy. He's going to love us all the way home to heaven. And so the only reasonable response is to love him back as best as we can. And then to be frank and honest and saying, we're not loving you as we should. So help us. And in a certain sense, it's like a little child who empties his pockets of all of the pennies that he's he stuffed them full. You know, and in order for our our father to fill our pockets, to fill our hearts and souls, 
with 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 hundred dollar bills or you know the high currency, and and so what we're giving up is really to kind of create space for him to fill us up with more of himself. I mean, he commands our worship and our love, though he doesn't get anything out of our worship that he was lacking beforehand. So why command it if it doesn't add anything to you? Because when we worship, when we sacrifice, not just at the holy sacrifice of the mass, but when we live all of these holy sacrifices, especially the little ones that nobody notices, he really is able to fill us with more and more of himself, his truth from scripture, his mercy through the sacraments, but also this communion that we share when through almsgiving and through fasting, we really are able to pray for other people, to connect with other people, to support ministries, our parish, and any other apostolates like yours that, you know, people are really blessed by. And so it's just a, it's not a contractual exchange just, to, you know, for my profit and your gain. No, it, you got to elevate this up to what I love to call the covenant, which is not just this is yours and that is mine. It is I am yours and you are mine. And God the Father, through his son, makes us family more than the Han household could ever be on its own. And this is the logic of Lent. It is love, but not warm, fuzzy feelings so much as the discipline of a love, you know, in fact, holiness, as you come to understand it through Scripture and St. Thomas Aquinas, is God alone is holy because holiness is the perfection of love, and God alone is perfect. But he perfects us in a way that we can't just do for him, you know, the way you might you know, the way you might think of a, a saint as a self-made person. No, not even Our Lady. She was the handmaid of the Lord, and so we've got to lower ourselves for him to exalt us. Thanks for that, Dr. Han. Joe Rosanello. <clears throat> Dr. Hahn, I can remember a while back, Cardinal Lorenze, uh came into Newark, New Jersey, and he spoke with the CFRs, and he kind of dressed them down a little bit. He basically said, like, holiness, do you think that this is what holiness is? And he kind of talked about what it is. Obviously, this study is holy as his name. I'm referring to 1 Peter 1.16. You shall be holy as I am holy. That's a tall order. But I think we have this perception of holiness. You have six kids. I have five. My kids are five kids under eight. Joe has a foster son. Holiness doesn't always look nice and neat, you know, and talk about what it looks like because it's, it's, I think it's within our grasp as Catholics. We're all called to be holy and we all can be holy, but it doesn't look like I think people kind of have that image in their head. Talk about that because it's, it's, it's within our grasp. We can have it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important point, you know, and it's something that I feel the book full of, and that is practical ways to live holiness, but it's love in the little things, you know, and so it, it might be, you know, taking that toddler and teaching him how to tie a shoe, or like my daughter just did with our granddaughter, you know, potty training, and that's never fun or easy, but it also is for us just being courteous and kind to other people, you know, the mortification of a smile when you're not necessarily feeling happy, and not just to conjure up warm, fuzzy feelings in other people, but just to connect, you know, because if the logic of Lent is the love of God, then the result ought to be a joy, the joy of Lent. In fact, when St. Benedict put together his rule, the only time he ever used the word joy is when he spoke of the joy of Lent. And, you know, he echoes what St. Maximus later says, and that is, uh, <laughs> if you're going to give up food and fasting, but you're going to be harsh or just, you know, downcast, give up the harshness and the grumpiness 
and then give up the food. And I, I think that's what we want to do in practical ways, in everyday matters, love in the little things. And I would also say at the workplace, you know, extending courtesy, but also friendship, asking somebody out for lunch. I mean, you might do that throughout the year, but Lent is a time where you can really connect with the Lord through prayer and then connect with other people as well. But I would say that the priority ought to be on cutting out a little more space for prayer. Uh, when Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount about almsgiving, as well as fasting, he accentuates prayer. He develops that more than the other two, and that's where he gives us the Our Father as well. We have got to learn that notion of prayer, that, that prayer is the way that we, you know, in a sense, feed our souls. It is the breath of the soul. What breath is to the body, prayer is to the soul. And I could go on and on, but, you know, suffice to say that all of the things that we are called to, all of the things that confront us, all of the things that we didn't even see coming, these are, in effect, the rungs of the ladder that we climb to holiness more than some kind of aura, more than some kind of talk, you know, more than some kind of, you know, impression that we might leave with other people. The fact is, holiness is not about becoming bigger and better and making ourselves smarter and stronger. It really is about becoming smaller and growing closer to our Lord so Lent, perhaps more than any other season, is the season to grow in holiness. Dr. Scott Hans joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. The free Bible study has been put out by St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Holy is his name. Uh, Dr. Scott, I, I want to follow up on something uh, Joe brought up. He mentioned the CFRs. Uh, we're, we're very close also, Joe and I and our wives, to the Sisters of Life. Joe worked it for years with the Missionaries of Charity. And we're on the topic of holiness, okay? What would you think, uh, as a practical a matter of practical advice to any Catholic if they want to experience um, firsthand some holiness during Lent, maybe find a local order. Could be any one of those three. Okay, it could be others. They're all over the place. Um, I'm in Arizona now. The sisters are here. The Sisters of Life are down here in Phoenix. Go spend some time with them. If you want to experience holiness, why? Because they walk on water? No, but it, I think they, they, they strive for that humility that you were describing. All right, and they strive, I think, more than a lot of people um, to to be holy. How practical is it for us to be around and to put ourselves in a position where we're around holy people? That might be the single most effective way to see the path before us, to get the spiritual direction from a holy priest, to go to confession as well, but also just to hang out with holy people. You become like the ones you hang with, and so... Uh, I, I'm thinking of the CFRs because I know them better than the Sisters of Life. Love them both as communities go. New York is greatly blessed and Arizona too. But I must say that I, I think of how many of my former students are now CFRs. I'm thinking of one in particular. He's going to kill me for saying this. But I mean, Father Sebastian, whenever I'm around him or just talking to him on the phone, I always come away just sensing that gentle holiness, which is so often quiet in a way that I'm not, you know, and uh, he, he is prayerful. He is just a very close friend. And whenever I'm around him or practically any of the other CFRs, I don't see perfection. What I see is a humble striving to grow in holiness. And I got to tell you, that is what we're here on the planet for. Absolutely. Thanks for that, Dr. Han. Joe Racinello. I think that's what stops traffic, and I think that's what America needs. I mean, um, we have all the answers, not us, but the church. The church has the answers. It's perfect. We're flawed as in humans. But 
people need to see holiness, and this study is going to help us to attain it. So is fasting. So is living a sacramental life. I mean, I could share with you a story on a Good Friday. Of course, I'm always running around. I was in the Bronx, and I was running up the stairs from the bathroom, and I almost knocked over two missionary charity sisters, this one old nun. And I stopped. Her eyes were like on fire. It literally... I stopped in my tracks, and when she walked up to venerate the cross, I'll be honest with you, I wept. Mm. She was so, like, she was old. She didn't say anything, but she was holy, and it's obvious. And holy people, you always remember. I think all of us have encountered them in our lives, someone who is holy. You will never forget that person. Dr. Han, that's who we have to be. If we're going to transform this culture, I, I seriously believe that. We have to be that, and we can. Talk about maybe an experience you've had with a holy person. I know you were very friendly with Father Benedict Rochelle. I think he was holy as the day is long. Father Andrew Apostoli, another guy, holy. Some experiences you may have had that, that left a mark. Father Benedict Rochelle was the first person who came to my mind, and then you mentioned him. You know, speaking of the CFRs, he was one of the founders. But he had rough edges, as everyone who knows and loves him remembers. Um, but in a certain sense, that goes with the territory. You think of the saints, and there are some who are just so sublime and, and, and secluded. Then there are others like Jerome, who was so irascible, brilliant, prayerful, but I mean, just a tough to, to be with or even to write, to correspond with. Uh, and so I would say Father Benedict Rochelle, in his roughness and through his friendship and prayer over 25 years, embodied that. Likewise, I'll have to admit that Mother Angelica did too. I met her back in 91. No, actually the year before, 1990. And over the next 20 plus years, she continually impressed me as being one of the toughest women I've ever met. And yet through prayer, there was a kind of invisible transubstantiation of her own soul into a daughter of God. And I, I, when I got my doctorate in the mid-90s, I remember being on her show just after I got my PhD. And so I made darn sure that it was Scott Hahn, comma, PhD. And I could just see her roll her eyes, you know. <laughs> and uh, at the break, she said, hey, Sonny, don't forget that it doesn't matter how many letters you have after your name. The only thing that matters is whether you end up with two letters in front of your name, S-T. And I'm like, give that girl an honorary doctorate. I mean, <laughs> that is real wisdom. Yeah. Absolutely. Joe Racinello. Dr. Hahn, talk a little bit about the St. Paul Center. We always have uh, folks on our show, Dr. Bergsma. We love him. Uh, Mike Aquilina, he's coming on. He wrote a, a book on Africa. In fact, I did the outline and sent it to him last night. Um, I know you're building a new building. Talk about the growth, because I'll be truthful with you. This is my opinion. Um a tremendous legacy to the city of Steubenville. That is going to live on, in my view, w long after all three of us are gone. I believe that. It, it is a wonderful legacy to the American Catholic Church. Talk about the growth. Talk about what you're doing, because I think it's great. Well, Dr. John Bergsma is our vice president, and Mike Aquilina is our other vice president. Dr. John Bergsma, I find to be the single greatest Catholic biblical scholar of our generation or the generation that is coming up. He's just barely 10 or 
so years younger than me, but uh, I made my kids take him when they had scripture courses at the university. They had enough of me. And I had him as a, a kind of research assistant for about a year when he was becoming Catholic. He wanted to get retooled. But looking back on that, I feel like I created a monster because <laughs> his genius and his teaching skills, his sense of humor, though dry and somewhat nerdy, is the most irresistible spiritual force on our campus. And to have the privilege of doing you know, classes with him and all kinds of parish events with him. Oh, and Mike Aquilina has been the best, best friend I've ever had in 65 years of life. And he also is a co-founder along with Kimberly of the St. Paul Center. More than 20 years ago, we set out biblical literacy for lay people, biblical fluency for clergy, but really all Catholics must learn to read the scripture from the heart of the church, which is the mass, because it's the only book that will have to be read in every mass down through the ages, everywhere in the world, wherever Catholics gather to offer the Eucharistic sacrifice. It won't be the catechism as much as I love it. It won't be the Summa by St. Thomas as that, that is my favorite, but it will always be the scripture and customarily the old and the new. So biblical illiteracy is really something that we can't afford if we want to really give ourselves to Christ in you know in Lent, but throughout our lives, and also to receive Him in a way that is life changing. Now, the Saint Paul Center is under construction. We have like four locations, but we're going to end up in a year from now with the one that is right across the street from the university. They were so generous in affirming our affiliation with them down for now oh, for twenty years or so to have these two acres, twenty five thousand square feet. We have nearly fifty full time co workers and many others who are part time volunteers and that sort of thing, and to have it right next to the university with hundreds of theology majors and catechetics majors, it's you know it, it, it is it's almost too good to be true. I mean, it's almost too much fun in this life. Uh, there are so many other things that we do, especially the priest retreats. Uh, we have three each year with nearly 700 priests spending almost a week with us getting retooled in scripture. And it's not just to kind of give them tips on preaching. It's how to get immersed in scripture so that your prayer first and foremost, and then your preaching and teaching secondarily are transformed. We've had thousands of priests go through this and just say, this is what we signed up for, but we didn't get it in seminary. But now at long last, you know, we can feel the the life transforming power of God's word. Uh, and I could go on and on, but I must admit that really a flagship for us is the journey through scripture programs that we've developed the last 10 years or so. And the climax of which is this one on holy is his name, because, you know, when you calculate a race, is it a sprint or is it a marathon? Well, life ain't a sprint, it's a marathon. And so you've got to pace yourself and, okay, figure out what the finish line is. It's not becoming big and famous. It's not becoming a Catholic celebrity. If anything, that's an impediment. It's becoming a saint, which means accepting suffering, which means carrying the cross. And with the help of the sacraments and the intercession of the saints, we have the real possibility, not of becoming, you know, a Benedict Rochelle, but becoming a saint, even though I see myself and I realize I'm still a sinner. I mean, becoming a Catholic back in 86 was one thing. Becoming a saint is entirely different. I don't think I could do this without that, but just entering the church is not nearly enough. Just like entering a garage doesn't make you a car, entering the Catholic church does not make me a saint. But I mean, it really is the only thing for which I was made. And so it's the one thing that ought to pervade everything else that I do. 
Dr. Scott Hahn, final word uh, on the on the Bible on the Bible study. It's a free Bible study taught by St. Paul Center. Where can uh, final word for our audience? A word of encouragement and where folks can purchase the study. Okay, so stpaulcenter.com forward slash holy study. And you can also explore the St. Paul Center for other resources as well. So from Ash Wednesday, February 22nd, all the way through Divine Mercy Sunday, you're going to have a workbook available as well as these two lessons per week for individual study, group study, parish studies, and this sort of thing. And if you get the study guide, you're going to basically have four months of access to this and other resources as well. The takeaway for me is we need to allow Lent to deliver us from the, the comfortable lies that the world around us is feeding us all the time. And that, to me, is a deeper liberation than pulling Israel out of Egyptian bondage. You know, it really is the spiritual liberation that sets us free to see truth and reality the way God does. And Lent affords us this opportunity, not just to wear ashes one day, but to carry the cross in new ways and to get over ourselves, to lift up our hearts, you know, and to open our hearts and our homes to Christ himself, that he reign supreme in our hearts and our homes. Amen. Thank you for that, Dr. Hahn. Dr. Scott Hahn, you're, you know you're always welcome on the show, and it's been a blessing to have you here. Thanks again. You're welcome, Joe. And Joe, keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Now, stick around out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're going to continue the conversation about holiness with Father Ed Looney. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So... Let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Okay, welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinalo. And we are way in the breach. We want to thank uh, Dr. Scott Hahn for joining us in the first half hour. Um, the second half hour, to continue our, our talk about Lent, uh, we have a, on a friend of the show, Father Ed Looney. Father, welcome back. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, great to be with you as always. Uh, I watch a lot of your YouTube videos as they come out, and uh, yeah, fan of the show. So you, it's you, good you that actually you still come on, that Father. You, that, that I was, was going to say, happy. do you tell your friends that you're friends with a couple of psycho Italians from New Jersey, or like, how does, how does that work? How, yeah, how do you yeah, keep your well, friends? <laughs> I just call you my devout Italian friends. Uh, that, thank you. You're a good that's soul. All, that's all. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar, I'm sure many of you are. Father Looney's writings have been featured in the pages of Catholic Digest and others, um, in addition to the web on Catholic Exchange, Alatia, Church Pop, Homiletic, Pastoral Review. Father Looney uh, formerly served as godly counsel for EWTN's Morning Glory. Um, right now, he's a regular contributor to Relevant Radio's Morning Air. So, uh, you know, Father Looney is, is, is all over the media. So well, let's continue the conversation. Let's talk about Lent. Uh, Dr. Scott Hahn really gave us an enlightening, um, you know, enlightened us on a lot of things. Joe Resinello, what do you want to start? Father Ed, i got to be honest. I don't like Lent. I, I don't because I take it serious. I, I always did. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I, as it's coming, you know, <laughs> I, I always am like, oh my gosh, here we go. Um, I read an article that you wrote. Um, you, you mentioned in that article, Father Daniel Lord, he's a Jesuit. He wrote a, a tremendous amount of books, 90. You know, he was definitely out there, a prolific voice in America. And he basically said, 
people tend to resist what is good for them. Talk about that a little bit, because Lent is something that is good for us. And I'll just speak for myself. I don't like it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Talk about it. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, the first thing to say is that Father Daniel Lord, he actually wrote a little pamphlet. That's why I wrote the article. I wanted to draw attention to his writings. And he wrote a pamphlet called I Don't Like Lent. So uh, whether he meant that or whether it was more of a provocative title to get people to pick it up, you know, some this would have been like clickbait back in the day, but in the form of a book or a, in the form of a pamphlet. But Father Daniel Lord, he's a hero of mine. And I just happened upon him by accident one day. And it's very interesting because I see that our lives have a lot of different similarities because Father Daniel Lord did a lot of work in Hollywood. He actually wrote the Hollywood Code of Ethics back in the day. Um, so he worked with actors, actresses, uh, but also as a very prolific writer. And so I'm a writer. I do a lot of writing also of movie reviews. So I, I have a connection to the media field in that regard. So um, I, I felt that we're kindred spirits as priests. He, he's deceased. He died uh, in the early 1950s. But one of his books became the subject of a research uh, that I did and published um, in Marian Studies, which is a academic journal, but I, I wrote about his Marian Eucharistic Reflections, and then that inspired me to write a whole book of meditations after Holy Communion uh, in the spirit of Father Lord. So he's a hero, but to get to your question about not liking Lent, um, you know, I was talking to someone last week that said, I love Lent, and I look forward to Lent every year, and, and I think that maybe if we change that perception, well, I don't like it because what does it mean? It's it, it's a season of renunciation. So I am choosing to deny myself something, whether that's kind of the ordinary things people might choose, like I'm going to give up alcohol or I'm going to give up sweets or whatever the case might be. So there's these acts of self-denial. So maybe people don't like that. They don't like that they can't eat meat on Friday because the church tells them that, even though the church really says you should do that all year round. But um, so there are certain things people don't like. But I think if we change that mindset, well, I like this person I was speaking with last week that says, I love Lent. Well, they love Lent because they realize that they need time to look deep within and to say, where do I need to change? Where's God inviting me to a conversion in my life? And so that's why they like the season of Lent. They like the idea of picking up a book. Uh, I wrote a Lenten meditation book called A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary from Sophia Institute Press. So maybe someone picks up a Lenten meditation book like that, or they pick up uh, for me, this Lent, I'm reading uh, Cardinal Renero Cantalamesa's Good Friday homilies that, that he's preached for 25 years or more uh, to the Holy Fathers. That was published by Word on Fire. So people love spiritual reading, and so they're picking up their books, they're engaging in that. And, and then I think we should love praying, and, and that's something we do during Lent. We pray more. We go to the parish church for Stations of the Cross, or we do a holy hour, or we read the Bible more. But there's this engagement in the spiritual life. So all of these things are good things. and uh, But I think there is this resistance sometimes people have to that which is good. Because if I'm reading the Bible or if I'm doing spiritual reading, if I'm getting closer to God, well, sometimes I resist that because there's something in my life that might change. And I'm comfortable right now. But if God is going to move me and say, you know, I don't 
I, I gave up alcohol for 40 days of Lent. Maybe I should continue that. Maybe that was an unhealthy addiction I had. Well, I want to go back to normal. And that's why some people might have a reservation because they're afraid of what God might do uh, with them and in them and through them during the season of Lent. Yeah, take away the things that we like so much. <laughs> but like you said, and I think about that all the time, Father Looney joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. It's like um, not everything we do um, is sinful, but do something doesn't have to be sinful to be uh, to have a destructive um, effect in your life. Uh, when you talk about alcohol, okay? The church has a clear teaching on when alcohol, you, the, the abuse of alcohol becomes sinful and when maybe you're just uh, having one too many. And maybe you need to cool it a little bit, you know. Um, maybe you've just gotten into a routine of drinking, okay. Um, I'll speak for myself. I mean, I like on Sundays, you know, not having anything to do, not having anything to, You know, to give up those Sundays where you pour a little scotch, you know, you kind of relax, kick back a little bit, have a nice dinner, okay. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. But maybe, like you said, maybe break that up a little bit. Maybe break that routine a little bit. Um, we could get a little bit too comfortable. Again, I'm speaking for myself, all right. You get a little bit too comfortable sometimes. And I think Lent does that. It kind of is like it crashes in there 40 days, you know, like uh, Jesus had to spend 40 days out in the desert before he could start his ministry. Okay. Um, we do need to empty ourselves a little bit, even if it is once a year. And like you said, maybe carry it over, you know, and, and, and carry it over for the rest of the year, or at least attempt to. Yeah. Well, the whole season of Lent is really about this idea of, uh, training ourselves in virtue. In fact, the the prayer that we say on Ash Wednesday refers to this as a campaign of Christian battle, or um, maybe uh, I know it's they use the word campaign, and, and it's supposed to evoke this idea of I'm going to battle with evil, I'm going to battle with demons in my life, and then I'm I'm going to use these spiritual tools that I have, and I'm going to grow in virtue and in love and in all of these different ways that God wants me to grow. So uh, it, it's really a blessed season, I think. No, well, I, I, I just, to me, there's no doubt about it. I always, I always say the same thing. It, like you mentioned the battle. Okay. Obviously we're in a spiritual, but all of us individually are, are in a spiritual battle. Okay. Well, if, if you, if you're going to get whatever you do in life, if you don't prepare for it, no matter how talented you are or whatever the case may be, you're, you're going to lose. Okay, Jordan didn't become the greatest basketball player of all time because he just decided to walk on the court, didn't practice, didn't train. Didn't. No, Lent. I, I think it's safe to say. It, it, it seems to me, you know, if you're if you want to prepare yourself or always be ready for battle, well, then then you need you need to do that spiritual preparation. You need to get on the court, so to speak, or or get on the field, so to speak. You got to get to the gym. You're not going to start deadlifting 400 pounds. You got to start light, but you got to build up and prepare for those battles that we all have to deal with i mean that's the way i i mean that's the way i see it father yeah definitely and you know that word preparation what what is life here on earth except preparation for the kingdom of heaven and so lent is kind of this opportunity for us to say i desire the things of heaven and i want to almost have that foretaste of heaven and so uh yeah we're all about training ourselves now uh for that reality that we one day hope to experience and receive from the lord Absolutely. Father Ed Looney's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing Lent. What a great topic. Joe Rasinello. Father, Lent is a special time for grace um, if you take it serious. Uh, and, and obviously the asceticism of it, you're emptying yourself to get something. That's why we do things. And I'll just share with you, um, I've told this to Joe in other shows, 
uh, in my 20s, when I started to take my faith seriously, I, I decided, you know, this is who I want to be. I want to be a Catholic. This, you know, I was always Catholic, but I'm going to take it serious. Um, I struggled with chastity. And uh, during Lent, I received that grace at a men's conference from a priest, went to confession. And when I went to receive the Eucharist, he took his finger as he gave me, gave me the sacrament in my hand. And he, pre you know, he recognized me and he pressed my, his finger into my hand. I, I knew what he was doing, like intentionally, like making a point. And uh, I swear I was chased. I was chased from my late 20s. I was a frat guy in college. You know, I lived like the animal house life, you know, in college. Um, and then uh, I was chased from my, this is no lie, from my, not perfectly, but just almost actually, uh, from my late 20s till I got married at 43. No lie. Because of that grace. Lent. It came out of Lent. Talk about the special graces of Lent. That's real. See, these are things why people say, like, Joe, you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I believe in God. God is real. Grace is real. And this is a tangible thing that happened in my life that basically God's like, no, Joe, you couldn't do it. But guess what? I can because I'm God. I rose from the dead. You, you're going to die. Uh, but then I'm going to raise you if you follow what I say. Talk about that because he's real. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a good priest friend named Father Joe Laramie, and he is the director of the Apostleship of Prayer, what's now called the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network. And he wrote an article uh, just recently, and uh, it was basically the, the premise of what he was writing. The thesis was that we shouldn't ask the question, what am I going to give up for Lent? But instead he said, what grace am I seeking this Lent? Or what grace does God want to give me? And so I think if we sit with that, well, we we maybe have already that sense, like as we're going into the Lenten season, well, what do I want God to do for me this Lent? And so it's identifying that struggle that I have. And so if it's chastity, as you mentioned, well, you name that and you say, Lord, this is the grace that I want. And uh, I want to grow in this. I want to be more chaste. Uh, I want to embrace a virtuous life whatever virtue it might be and so yeah it's this belief that god wants this for us and god will do it for us and so we seek him out and and uh, so i actually use this in my homily for the sunday right before lent that i you know using that principle of father joe laramie well what grace am i seeking well if i'm seeking holiness well i've named that so then how do i attain it or maybe God wants to give me forgiveness, that there is something that I have kept deep within. Maybe I haven't even brought it to confession. Well, God wants forgiveness for you. And so bringing that to the Lord. But uh, yeah, the God is real. And what he says is true. And, and, and that's a reality. And if we look at how the saints live their lives. So um, I've been enamored recently with St. Anthony of Egypt or St. Anthony of the Desert, partly because I had to read his life. For a comprehensive exam I'm taking in a few weeks. But this was a man who truly believed in the power of sacred scripture, so much so that when he heard the gospel at mass proclaimed, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, 
That's exactly what he did. Those words of sacred scripture were speaking to him in that moment. And that's true for all of sacred scripture. Sacred scripture, yes, it was written at a particular time to a particular audience, but the words of scripture transcend time. So as we read the gospels, as we hear Jesus speak, this Lent, we'll hear that story of the woman at the well, and maybe we place ourselves there at that as a bystander, or maybe as the one to whom God is speaking. Whatever Jesus says to that woman at the well, He's, he, he's saying that to me today. So his word transcends time and space. And, uh, and so we have to believe that. And once we operate from that belief that, well, God speaks to me, God gives me grace. Well, that's when we're open to the amazing things God's, God is actually going to be doing in our lives. Absolutely. Father Ed Looney's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Father, nowadays, I'm going to give you a naughty, naughty word, okay, that nobody wants to hear in America, sacrifice, okay? Um, and again, I, I'm not going to say that I, I, I'm not going to say that I love the word so much, okay, uh, to be honest with you, but we are called to put things down sometimes. To, get to, to not do something that we like to do, to not consume something we like to consume, or whatever the case might be. How is that a gift? How is that actually a gift from God? To, to say, I'm not going to do that. I know, I know that. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, and then I'll hand it over to you, Father. Please pray for me. I'm on about a three and a half months now that I haven't smoked a cigarette. Now, I'll say that publicly so you know that I'm not lying, okay? My wife questions me a little bit on that. And I said, no, babe, seriously, I haven't had a cigarette at all, okay, in about the last three and a half months. I didn't want to give it up. I've been I was smoking cigarettes from the time I was 15 years old, okay? So 40 years I smoked cigarettes, okay? I didn't want to give it up. Really wasn't affecting my health. I like doing it. I'm not going to lie to you. But it came a time I said, you know what? I have to do this. I have to give it up. I know it's the right thing to do. I know how it will please my wife, okay? Talk about that. Talk about saying, I really have to do this. I have to give this, this up. Yeah, so sacrifice, uh, we see that, especially in the Old Testament, even when Abraham was going to go and sacrifice his son Isaac, uh, he was going to offer that sacrifice to God because God asked him, and God wanted his faithfulness. And then God, seeing he was faithful, spared Isaac. Um, and so sacrifice is present all throughout the Old Testament, the sacrifice of animals in the Old Testament. But even at the Mass, uh, the priest always says, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice— so the sacrifice the priest is offering on behalf of all the people and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father, so that as we gather all of our prayers, all of our sacrifices, may they be acceptable to God. And so that's something we pray for in the Mass. And uh, if we go to some of these Marian apparitions, sacrifice was demanded. In fact, Our Lady taught the children in Fatima. She said, you know, make small sacrifices and offer it for sinners. So in a sense, the sacrifice can be efficacious. Just as we have redemptive suffering, I'm experiencing some sort of pain in my life, maybe because of an illness or whatever. I can offer that to God as a prayer for an intentional. Well, the same is true for a sacrifice that Mary taught the children in Fatima. Well, say this prayer, you know. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I don't have it exactly memorized, but, uh, you know, Jesus, I offer, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I offer you the sacrifice of love for souls and for the conversion of poor sinners. And, and that's why we make these sacrifices. And so, it, in a sense, it's saying to God, I love you so much, God, that I'm going to sacrifice this momentary pleasure, whatever it is, whether it's ice cream or chocolate or whatever, 
and I'm going to give it to you as my gift because nothing I can give you, the church prays this in one of the prefaces, nothing we do adds anything to your greatness, but you yourself receive it. And so, so God wants, God receives that then as a sign of our love. It's a way of us saying, I love you, Lord. And so I'm going to show you that because of this, just as other people in, you know, in, in your marriages, you make a sacrifice sometimes to show your wife, I love you. And because I love you, this is the sacrifice I've made. But ultimately, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is that ultimate sacrifice of love. So, so any sacrifice we give, we wanted to participate in that sacrifice of love of Christ. Absolutely. Joe Racinello. Father, I want to blow out a little bit more what sacrifice means. Because what it what you know, because someone could I always sometimes as we're having these conversations, someone's in the car and like, who are these two crazy Italian guys? What are they talking about? They're 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 masochists, they want to suffer, they want no, no. What sacrifice does in another way, and I'm interested in your take on it, it opens us up to a reliance upon God. I'll use fasting from food, for example. Say you fast. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, on Fridays, as Father said, we're still supposed to fast on Fridays. The church never changed that. Say you say, I'm not going to eat. You're going to do like a Muslim fast. I'm not going to eat from sunrise to sunset. And you say, oh, my gosh, that's hard. Now, all of a sudden, you're out there. It's 1 o'clock. You're out there, meaning like you know you can't do it. It, it, it makes you cling to God the sacrifice. And that's a good practice. And that's what Lent's about. It's practice. God, it opens you up to reliance upon God. Because let's be honest, we live in the modern world. We're in the United States of America. We're hungry. We just open the refrigerator. I need money. I go to the money machine and I go buy uh, a, what's it called? A Big Mac. <laughs> or I get a slice of pizza in New Jersey. I mean, it's just that simple. Talk about how sacrifice we're not as reliant on God as we think we are. We are reliant, but we, we kind of fool ourselves. But when you, you kind of get into that zone, it, it, it makes it more conscious. You know, one of the points that I made in that article that you read uh, that I wrote about Father Lord and Lent was that Father Lord had this, uh, he, he said it quite bluntly, that we have it easy. Our Lenten observance pales in comparison to that of the saints, like St. Francis de Sales. Um, it pales in comparison to our Eastern brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith. So we belong to the Roman church, the Western church. So the Eastern church has all of these different uh, churches uh, that are in communion with Rome. And so often we refer to their mass, for example, as the divine liturgy, they have icons, et cetera, but they give up dairy, they give up eggs, they give up meat, like they do a very hardcore strict Lenten observance. Whereas we, you know, we're like, okay, it's Ash Wednesday, I'm going to have uh, my two small meals that don't equal one large meal. And so they so we don't really get to the core of it, but but this idea of fasting and, and the early church fasted and even in an alleged apparition in Bosnia-Herzegovina, the Blessed Mother has asked for fasting on bread and water. Uh, and so this idea of fasting, yeah, as you said, it, it creates this hunger. And so as we deprive ourselves, and as I know that I'm hungry, well, what does that do for me? Well, first, I think it raises awareness that there are others who are hungry in this world, that what I have and what I eat every day, someone in a third world country would 
they wouldn't know what to do with all that food that we consume because their portions are so small that they receive. So, so I think it gives us a greater identification with the poor. But then as I hunger, then as you said, it's, I realize that God can feed me. God is the one who is supposed to fill in the, what is empty within me. So, so that physical hunger becomes this hunger for God and how God how we do depend on him for what we have. The reality is, is the food in the food in my refrigerator, I have it because, well, God has given me certain gifts and I've responded to those gifts. And now I'm working, I work as a priest, you work in your jobs. And so because I'm cooperating with this goodness, well, every good gift is from God. And so it makes us realize that it makes us realize that. So so we should never take that for granted because, of course, it's something that can be taken away. What we have can be taken away. And then that creates even a greater dependence on God. Like I have people that rely on the church maybe to help them with gas or with a grocery gift card or whatever. And so that's how God is providing for them through the church. And so uh, God does provide for all people, no matter what their situation, whatever their circumstance might be. Father Looney, talk about talk about slavery. Talk about um, we're enslaved, whether it be in overt ways like pornography and other things, or in very subtle ways. Okay, particularly in the West, particularly like you talked about, like we take our the fact that we could just go in the fridge for granted. Okay, but we're enslaved in a lot of ways, um, in ways we might not even realize. Talk about how Lent can help us to not only conquer that slavery, but to become aware of what it is we're enslaved by, so so as to begin the process of, of, of conquering uh, our addictions. Like I said, whether they're more overt or whether they're 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 more more subtle addictions, like watching Fox News every night. Nothing against Fox News, but these things can be a little destructive if they become too routine and we become enslaved to them. Yeah, so we talked a lot about slavery in a sense already, you know, with different things. So whether it's enslaved to some sort of sexual disorder, such as pornography or or, uh, unchaste actions, whatever. So that's a slavery in and of itself. There's a slavery of our body. You know, you mentioned you haven't had a cigarette for a while. We talked about alcohol. So that can be a slavery like it just draws us in. But if we look at where we are enslaved and we name it and we say, I want to work on this. I want to lessen it. I want to eliminate it. It's amazing what can happen in your life. For example, so I I, I was in the hospital in early January uh, with a heart issue. And so I had to make a few life changes uh, because of that. But I, because of those little changes, I realized, wow, there was a little slavery there. And my life now, because I've eliminated certain things from my life, well, now I have more time. I'm reading more. I finished my thesis for my advanced degree. I'm, you know, so all of these things, and it was all because I renounced a little bit of a piece of me where I felt, yeah, I'm enslaved to going out to eat at a restaurant. Well, I can make a meal at home. I'm, and you know, so, so yeah, there are these, these things that we are enslaved to. And, um, I think Lent is that moment, you know, go back to my friend that says, I look forward to Lent every year. Well, he looks forward because he knows he's a slave and he's like, I, I, I want to get it right this year. This is kind of the blessing of some of those things like Exodus 90 or whatever. They take the things that we're very aware of that we are enslaved to social media, to television, 
um, food, drink, whatever. And, and it says limit that in your life. And, and when you begin limiting it, it does make a huge difference. Not only does it impact you spiritually, but it's going to make a bodily difference for you. It's going to, yeah. So, so it, it affects you in so many different ways and the relationships you have. And, and once we realize the slavery, we'll become a better disciple of the Lord as we allow him to break that slavery and those chains that bind us. Absolutely. Joe Rastinello, we're limited on time. We got about two minutes. Where do you want to go? Father, obviously, the goal of Lent is Easter. Um, you mentioned Exodus 90. Sometimes our asceticism can almost be an idol. We forget about Easter. I bring that up because that's been my past. I, You know, you get so caught up and I gave up, I gave up. No, it's about Easter. Talk about that because that's what it's all about. Yeah, so this death to self now during the season of Lent is all about rising with Jesus, receiving this great news that he is risen from the dead. And what does Jesus's resurrection mean? It means that we have eternal life. And so if I die now, well, then I will live forever. And so that's what we want. We want heaven. We want that reward. We want what Jesus has won for us already. We want to be able to merit and attain that. Absolutely. Father Looney, just tell our audience, what do you have? Where can they follow what you have going on? What do you have going on? What's on your plate? Yeah, so uh, I do a lot of writing, uh, and usually I always post those links at, at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, and, and yeah, so I have different podcasts out there and different books available for your spiritual edification. Absolutely. Father Looney, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, obviously, Lent is an important topic. As Joe said, let's not, you know, let's not mistake the forest for the trees. The goal is Easter. All right. Let's get to Easter. So, you have, as always, you, you always teach us something. You give us something to think about, to pray on. And we really appre always appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're welcome, Father. And we want to thank Scott Hahn, too, for coming on in the first half hour. And thank you all out there for joining us this hour, talking about Lent uh, at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things. We mentioned Twitter. Follow Joe and I on Twitter, at with Joe and Joe, at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. We're trying to build up our presence there now that ostensibly you know twitter seems to be a more open platform and if you got to follow us on youtube the front line with joe and joe on youtube the front line with joe and joe on youtube and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere we'll talk to you soon